Okay, go. We should be recording now. Test one, test two. Okay, this is your first speech. It is the introductory speech, so-called, because it will help us introduce ourselves formally to the class. Make this just a little bit bigger for everybody, but again, this is all on Canvas, so you can look at it at your leisure. This speech will be about three minutes. I'm giving, I give you a 15-second leeway before I start deducting points for being over or being under time. You will be required to bring a speaker's outline to class on the day of your speeches, and I would suggest having a note card for your, for your notes that you will then hand in after class, because with note cards, only one side of the note card can have writing, and you should not have the entire text of your speech. This is public speaking, not public reading. And with one note card, if you have the entire text of even a three-minute speech on it, that's going to be some very small handwriting. And then trying to then read it is going to make you nervous. So I'm going to suggest something that I know a lot of students just sort of roll their eyes at, but practice beforehand. Get familiar with your material so that you can then deliver it without having to read word for word. And if you say, what's the speaker's outline? We're going to go over that next week. So we're going to talk about that soon. You have two choices, character trait and object of significance. You will pick one, one of these topics, okay? Character trait. Basically, you tell me a story where you demonstrate, where you had to demonstrate a trait that matters to you. This isn't, this isn't a, I think honesty is important. Honesty is never telling a lie. This is where you tell me a story where you were honest, and it, and it probably hurt you. Sort of the George Washington and the cherry tree story. The, be, telling a lie would make things easier, but because honesty matters, I told the truth and took the consequences. If family is important, where did you put family first over something else? If, you're, if the trait you say is faith, where did you put, where, when was your faith put to the test? If, it's, if you're an athlete or were an athlete, a lot, of those, a lot of athletes like to use perseverance and talk about coming back from an injury. That works for anyone who's had, who's had a big injury or a surgery or something as well. The event does not have to be world-changing in the sense of earth but it has to have been significant for you. Something that you feel shows who you are as a person. Help us get to know you by, by showing us and narrating to us an episode where you lived by what you claim you value. Because it's easy to say that you value honesty, but it's harder to be honest when you might have to admit that you cheated on a test, or you might have to admit that you fudged your taxes to get a refund, knowing that if the IRS finds out that you fudged your taxes, well, that could be a bigger problem. Or maybe a friend of yours cheated and you saw them and then the teacher asked you if they cheated. Is if honesty is that big a deal, then telling the truth, even if it gets a friend in trouble, 
and hurts that relationship, is it's it's a moment of crisis, and you have to make that choice. So that type of a story. Again, I don't want a definition. I don't want three minutes of honesty is defined as. I want to know about you, not the dictionary, not the thesaurus. I want to know about you, something that happened to you, something where you were the main character. And that's something to remember because one of the easiest ways and most common ways students mess up is they are not the focus of this story. They're in it, but it's about one of their friends. And their friend gets more action than they do. Well, I, so I've learned about your friend. Your friend's not in this class. I don't care. You're in this class. I want to know something about you. This is how we get to know you. And the second is an object of significance. Most of us have that one object that really matters to us. It might be a stuffed animal grandma gave you before your first major surgery. It might be an antique piece of jewelry that's passed down from generation to generation. Could be the family Bible. It could be a firearm that's been passed down from grandfather to son to grandson. It, it can be anything that really means something. Maybe you're an artist, your first set of paintbrushes, a musician, your first guitar, violin, drum set. It doesn't have to be something super fancy, but just something that means something to you. And talk about what this tells me about you. I'll give you an example. Uh, I had a student one time when I was teaching at LSU brought in an Xbox controller and talked about how the Xbox controller. As soon as he brought it out and showed it to the class, people laughed. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a, you're a video game player, big deal. He talked about playing games with his older brother. And he talked about his older brother going to Afghanistan. His older brother came back physically, but he was changed. He didn't, he didn't talk to the family. He didn't come down for dinner. He would take his meals up to his room. After a year, two years of begging and begging, his older brother finally got tired of him begging, and he wouldn't play Xbox with his younger brother again. The older brother broke down, talked a little bit about what happened overseas, and then talked about feeling like he needed to end things. And then... The younger brother helped convince his older brother to go get therapy, to get counseling, to get help. And then when my student graduated high school, his older brother just handed him a card that had a note inside of it. That was going to be, yeah, that note. He said, I'm giving this to you because you saved my life that day. And so that Xbox controller to him wasn't just about entertainment or diversion. It was about that connection to his brother and about, about life and love and family. And so something simple, a controller, became something that was able, he was able to tell us, share a story of how he connected with someone that no one else could connect with after a, after a, after a traumatic series of experiences and the result of that. Other students have done... Like I said, heirloom jewelry. They've done first instruments, first paint sets. 
It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be ornate, ancient, antique. It just has to mean something to you. If possible, bring this object to class on the day of your presentation. We'll talk more about how to work with stuff like that later, but something that we can see for this object if you choose this path. So it needs to be visible to the back of the room. So a small object, maybe have a picture that we can put up on the screen here so people can see it. And um, I, I always suggest two things. One, if it's super valuable and hard to replace, bring the photograph. Don't bring the object. Because, and also never pass your objects around the classroom. You know what happens when someone passes objects around the classroom? It can get broken. What else happens if you're passing it around? What are they not doing? Paying attention to you. Paying attention to you. Because if it's, if it's valuable, you don't want to be the one to break it. And so you're focused on that. But also, if the object is not something that is legal to be discussed or brought onto a school campus, do not bring the object. I shouldn't have to say that, but I've learned that I do. So just keep that in mind. You can read over the goals because that's what I, this is what I want you to get out of it. Now, organization. When I give you a speech, I give you a suggested structure. Because I don't want you to just think, I don't know what to do with all this. Well, there are certain ways that work better for putting this type of a speech together. So, here, your first, you'll begin with an introduction. And you can see that it's for a three-minute speech, roughly 30 seconds. Don't just start off with the object, but set it up. Get our attention. Give us a preview. Sort of help give us a roadmap for where we're going to go in the speech. So as opposed to, hi, I'm going to give you a speech about an object that's important to me. We all know what the assignment is. We all have the same assignment. Or, I'm going to give a speech about a character trait. Well, that doesn't tell us anything. Start by drawing us in. Make us excited to hear what you have to say. Not excited, interested. I'll give you an example. Uh, this summer in my 1200 class, I had a student who was giving a speech on the importance of swimming lessons. And she began with, even in a pool of water that's only an inch deep, the time it takes someone to drown is less than the time it takes to watch a video on TikTok because you can drown in 30 seconds. And so that's how she started off. And okay, so we're, so now we, that, that's something that even, I, I thought drowning took longer. I didn't realize you could drown that quickly in that small water. So that, that's, how, that's the way to begin. And then we'll talk more about what, what goes into it as the semester goes on. But get our attention. Then tell us your narrative. This is your body. In the introduction, you tell us what you're going to tell us. You set it up in the body. You give us the details, the important details that matter. 
This might mean having to edit because, again, you're looking probably around a minute and a half for the body. So that means that you're going to have to focus on the events and the, and the sensory details that matter. Don't, if, if something happened at school and you start off your school day having breakfast with grandma, as much as, as much as we might love the description of Grandma's house and the, and the warm, yeasty smell of cinnamon rolls that she baked fresh for you that morning, if that's not the focus of the story, just sort of summarize that in one sentence and move on. Focus on the details that will help us see the point that you're trying to get to. And then the epic or the conclusion. Why do we care? The Latin phrase here, cui bono, means for whose benefit. What does the audience get from this? What do we learn? What do we learn about you? Maybe we learn something about honesty, integrity, faith that we hadn't known before. Maybe we see things in a different way. People are more interested in things that sort of have a bearing on their life or that focus on them. We're all kind of selfish like that. And so being able to relate your speech to your audience, to connect with them in a genuine way. Again, I don't expect perfection. We're learning how to do this. It takes time. But does the story have a moral? Spend some time wrapping up your speech, summarizing, and then giving us something to take away. A final thought. A piece of parting wisdom. This should be a little bit more than just, and the moral of today's story is, don't talk to strangers while standing in the middle of the street. This should be about a minute. You want to take some time you started, you got us interested, you've built us up with your narrative. If you just stop, it's unsatisfactory. But if you wind us down, if you bring us to a conclusion, that's the way to end. Wind it down. Give us a sense that when you that when you that when you stop talking because you're finished, it's not simply a pause, it is a conclusion. Spend about a minute here. And as you'll see with each assignment, things that are in bold are the things I really want you to be focusing on because that's what I'm looking at in this speech. This is going to be short speech, but it's going to help you get used to how things are done. You'll be able to see how I grade from this. I treat this as a double diagnostic. I get to see where you begin as a speaker who's had, well, roughly a month to prepare. So you're going to have some time to work on this. But don't wait until the last minute because that will make you more nervous and anxious as you speak. At least start thinking. Start brainstorming some ideas. And then you can see how I grade, what I, when, how I focus on things, and how I weight different parts of the assignment. So as you move forward, you'll know what you need to spend more time focusing on. This is where we're going to start. Roughly, and you'll see roughly the same pattern of 
about one speech every month. Three, every three to four weeks you'll have a speech so that way you have time to prepare, you have time to plan. Also for those who do plan early, the Wednesday after Labor Day, I'm going to book for, an, for a voluntary practice day. Where if you have it ready and you want to practice in front of the class, you'll get to practice in front of the class in this room, receiving feedback from both myself and your classmates before you give, it, before you give the speech for a grade. I'm going to give you a chance to get some feedback and make some adjustments. So you're not going, you're not going to go in blind. But I do want you to start thinking about it because given that I'm going to try to do some oral feedback, we might not be able to give everyone a chance to, to give the speech in one class period. But again, it's voluntary. If you feel you need it, if you feel you want it, I'll be, we'll, we'll have that day for this. Okay? Are there any questions on the assignment? Questions once, questions twice. I'm just checking. Okay, it's picking up. Good. So, that being said, like I said, I wanted to go. I do want to go over some very general stuff today. I'm going to erase this because I need the board. What I'm going to go over is how is the, called the five canons of rhetoric. And this goes all the way back to Aristotle, and this is what I use to structure how I organize my class. And so when you start to notice that I'm not doing the chapters in numerical order, this is what underlies the order that I'm choosing. Okay? So, we have five canons, and these canons are as follows. Invention. Arrangement. Style, memory, and delivery. These are the five canons. So, let's briefly talk about each one and what's included with the understanding that I will be devoting, for most of these canons, at least one, if not two weeks of lectures to these canons so we can go in detail. Invention. As the name sort of suggests, this is where you figure out what you're going to talk about. This is where you do your brainstorming, your, any research you have to do on the topic, and all the background stuff so that you just sort of have an idea of what you're going to talk about, what you're going to say, and you start thinking about, your, about how you're going to put it together. But this is background. This is something that the audience will probably never see, no matter how much you do. And if you're doing research for, like, say, an informative, a persuasive speech, let's say you're giving a presentation for, for your, at work and you have to look up facts and figures and compare them to your own company's data, the amount of research you do is not seen. The result of that research is what's presented. And so, it looks, like you didn't, it looks like it's effortless, but it's a lot of work, and it takes time. 
But when the can once you have this down, then we move on to the canon of arrangement. That's where we organize, structure, outline. We pick we pick a structure. Are we using a narrative structure? Are we using, say, Monroe's motivated sequence, the ill blame cure model? What what type of structure are we using? If you don't know these structures, don't worry, you'll know them by the end of the semester. But this is where you take the stuff, the research you've got, and you put it in an order that will make sense for the for one, your topic, two, your stance toward the topic, and three, specific purpose of delivering the speech to your particular audience. So these are things you have to consider. For some topics, certain arrangements immediately come to mind. For a, bio, for a biographical speech, we know that there's generally an accepted order that the, the audience expects from you. Birth, childhood, young adulthood, middle age, old age, death. That's what a biography should look like. That's what people expect. Narrative, beginning, middle, end. First, second, third. There's a chronology. But for other speeches, you might not have a specific structure that works, and so you can play with the order of your main points. And so that's something that we'll talk about when we get to discussing the canon of arrangement, but it is something to think about as you start planning your first speech because not every point is going to have the same amount of focus. Not every point needs the same amount of focus. And so thinking about how you want the structure, where you want the focus to be, these are things you have to think about. We're still background. This is You still haven't gotten up yet. Next is the canon of style. To sort of break this down, this would be considered a first draft. Your invention and arrangement are your first draft. If you think about it like an essay, because the rules for writing essays were developed from the rules for preparing speeches. So, you've got your first draft. The canon of style, which focuses on word choice, which focuses on poetics is where you then revise so that everything looks like it belongs together. I'll put revise here. With the canon of style, that's where we talk about whether you use plain spoken language or whether you use technically specific jargon for a specialized audience. It's where we talk about poetics, like say, having some rhyme, having some alliteration, Things that help bring the, bring the meaning of the words together with the sense and the sounds that come out of your mouth. Because when the sounds and the sense are married, it delights the audience. It sounds pretty. It sounds engaging. But it helps both you and them remember things. Why do you, why do you think so many, especially teachers, we love to talk in, when we give you, when we give you things to remember, they all begin with the same letter, because that mnemonic device, alliteration, 